Hey guys, Pete Mundo, thanks for checking out the Big 12 podcast. Appreciate it. And please do leave us a rating, review, subscribe. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play helps us a ton. And if you do it, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's getting warm. You got to keep that beer cold, man. Got to do it. So um, check it out. Please send us an email. Send me an email. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. A screenshot of your rating and review. And I'll get you the free koozie in the mail. Thanks, guys. Have a great day and uh, enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three. And Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5. Into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCluskey on the grab. Locked down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! So is the new NCAA transfer portal working as planned for college football? I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And by the way, we've got new forums up on the website, so please do go check those out. Uh, all your Big 12 and college football, basketball uh, baseball chatter can be found there. There are free as well, so please go sign up at heartlandcollegesports.com. Click on the members forum at the top and join our conversation here as we continue to build this thing out. All right, so there was a conversation last week uh, with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, and he said it's too early to tell for sure if the transfer portal is a net positive for college athletics. I will say this. Is it a net positive? I believe it is. Is it perfect? No, it's not close to perfect. So here's what I like about it. Uh, I think that right now, the fact that the NCAA is not denying as many waiver requests for athletes wanting to head to another school is a good thing. I think there is some bad, though. I believe that guys like Tate Martell and Justin Fields, the hardship waivers that they are getting through on, transferring from Fields' case, uh, Georgia to Ohio State, and Martell's case, Ohio State to Miami, is incredibly fraudulent, uh, absolutely fraudulent. The reason why is because when you look at this, all right, the hardship waiver that it's believed that Justin Fields used was that it's alleged that he had a racial slur yelled at him at a baseball game in Georgia. Now, if that happened, that's despicable, that is disgraceful, and that person that did that should absolutely be thrown out or off of whatever team, organizations they're with. Disgusting, despicable act. That's in no way what I'm saying at all. But to say that you are transferring out because of that and that is a hardship on you, I have a hard time believing, especially in Field's case where his sibling, I believe it is his sister, still went to Georgia the year after him to play softball. So is it really that big of a hardship for you? 
In Tate Martell's case, how did he get approved to play at Miami right away when he left Ohio State? What's his hardship waiver that he had approved by the NCAA? The fact that Justin Fields transferred in and he's a four-star guy and he wants an easier chance to play or Urban Meyer is the coach that he had there. Urban Meyer is gone. So that's his hardship. I mean, what's the hardship for Tate Martell? It's not that I don't want to see guys getting the chance to play as much as they can. But in the case of a Tate Martell and a Justin Fields, I still think the red shirt or the transfer rule should apply where you got to sit out the year. Now, somebody like Austin Kendall, who went OU to West Virginia. Austin Kendall's a guy who got his degree. Austin Kendall's a guy who did his time, worked in the classroom, graduated, waited his chance, and he kept getting passed over by transfer quarterbacks, whether it's Baker Mayfield or Jalen Hurts. And, you know, that's okay. That's OU's prerogative. They hit lightning in a bottle with Mayfield and Murray and, and hopefully now Hurts as well. But a guy like Austin Kendall has the right and should have the right to prove his stuff, to prove it right away. He hung around OU. He didn't bail after a year. But he said, I'm never getting my chance here. And he wants to go play, see if he can prove himself, and maybe he's an NFL quarterback one day and can make some money. It should be about protecting these kids' uh, future financial interests, right? I mean, that's what it should be about in many ways, but not abusing the system. If Tate Martell and Justin Fields sat out a year, is that the end of the world? Is that going to change their ability to potentially be NFL quarterbacks one day? It's not. No, it's not going to do it. So that's where this line gets dicey. Jalen Hurts, no problem with that either. Guy's a grad transfer, hung around Alabama, stuck through it last year, even though it was obvious, too, it was going to be the quarterback. And he says, my final year, I want to go somewhere, show off my skills, not be the backup quarterback, and then maybe prove myself as a potential Heisman contender and you know NFL quarterback. Don't blame him one bit for that. That should not be a problem at all. But Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, he made a couple of comments in this article um, interview he did with ESPN. And he was talking about the transfer portal, whether or not it's a net positive for college athletics. And (laughs) he said here, said, quote, what I'm concerned about is that we're like seeking reasons, whether there's a transfer rule or not. We all should know the same information to be able to make decisions. I totally agree with that, and it's a lot of what I just said. But he went on to bring up the education factor, which is comical. I'm sorry, it's comical. Sankey said, quote, we assume the movement, the freedom is healthy. I think we need to keep track of the data to see what young people move from campus A to campus B for whatever reason. Are we assessing the right educational outcomes? (laughs) And I read that, and I spit out my damn coffee. The right educational outcomes, it's 2019, it's college athletics. Who in their right mind is still trying to convince you and convince me that they're really caring about the educational outcomes? I'm not saying they don't care about them, but is that the top of the priority list for a lot of these schools when it comes to these players, especially across the Power Five? It's not... It's just not, and don't tell me that it is. You know, I wasn't born yesterday, okay? So I'm not buying that from Greg Sankey in the SEC. I'm just not going to go there. 
So I think right now this transfer portal is working out as a positive for college football. I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to be playing a full season for a big-time program in Oklahoma. Austin Kendall is going to be likely playing for a big-time program in West Virginia. Those are good things, not just for the Big 12. Those are good things for college football. To have those guys playing and instead of having them sitting on the bench. In Hurts' case, behind Tua, and in uh, Kendall's case, behind Hurts. So that's good for the fan base. That's good for the sport. Uh, and it's good for the individual athletes. I just have concerns over this hardship waiver being abused by the NCAA and where they are granting these waivers. Now, I'm all for freedom of the athlete. You know, I talk about it, and I mentioned it before. You see that these coaches, they bail on a moment's notice, and the athlete does not nearly have the freedom of the coaches. Coaches are the ones making millions of dollars. I am sympathetic to that argument, and I want to give the players more freedom. But I still believe that if you got the grad transfer rule in place, that's great. Let them play right away. They got their degree. They worked hard. Let them move on and uh, try their thing somewhere else. On the flip side of that, the hardship waiver is okay to have. I'm not against the idea of the hardship waiver. But I will say this. It can't be getting abused. And it should not be getting abused like it appears to be getting abused here in some of these high-profile cases we've seen this offseason, whether it's Tate Martell or Justin Fields. That's what I want the NCAA to crack down on. That's what I wanted to see the NCAA say, you know, this is even a little bit too much for us. Sorry. And I also want to see schools, unless there's some reason to believe that a school uh, can stop a transfer, like OU tried to do with Austin Kendall going to West Virginia because it was in the conference, I want to see a whole lot less of that. I thought OU looked very petty uh, with that whole deal this offseason. I, I did not like that one bit. I know you don't want guys sharing secrets and, and whatnot, but hey, guess what? In the NFL, guys leave via free agency. They go to a division rival, and it happens. It happens. Don't want it to be the Wild West, but I also don't want a kid like Austin Kendall, who sees a great opening at West Virginia with a great new coaching staff, to not have that opportunity because OU says he can't have it. I do not care for that rule. And to OU's credit, they took their foot off the pedal and they were cool with it. But the initial reaction was something I did not care for uh, one bit. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's always great to have you on board uh, here on the show. We appreciate you joining us. Coming up, uh, this NFL draft took place this week. Big impact for the Big 12 Conference. We'll talk about that coming up next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. All right, so the NFL draft is this week, and you know what that means. It is a chance for teams and for college football programs and conferences to tout how many draft picks they have, yada, yada, yada. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Always good to have you on board. And this is a possible problem, but also possibly a great thing for the Big 12 Conference, and let me explain. First off, let me say as well that this is a weekly show. Uh, 
We air on several radio stations in several Big 12 states between Wednesday and Saturday. That is not a secret to many of you. Um, but we are out of Kansas City. That's where I live. That's where I cover the Big 12 right now. So as a result, uh, with the NFL draft on Thursday, I'm going to have to be very careful with what I say for some of our affiliates. But Kyler Murray is obviously projected to be and will likely be one of the top couple of picks in the NFL draft. That is a foregone conclusion. Where? I'm not going to speculate, obviously. and not going to go down that road, but... For a second straight season, an OU quarterback, after Baker Mayfield last year won the Heisman Trophy and was the number one overall pick, you have a situation now where Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy and is going to be right at the top of the pack in the draft. This is a great thing for the Oklahoma Sooners. It's in some ways a great thing for the Big 12. It also is something that could hurt and hamper the Big 12. And let me explain. First off, the Big 12 is the only conference, only Power 5 conference, to have only one team make the college football playoff, that being, of course, the Oklahoma Sooners, and they have yet to play for a national championship. When you look around the uh, country, the Big 10 has had Ohio State and Michigan State in. We have also had uh, the SEC with Georgia and Alabama in the Pac-12. They've actually had two teams get in as well, Oregon and Washington, and who am I forgetting? The ACC has had Clemson and Florida State. So they've each been able to, all conferences outside of the Big 12, have had two programs make it. The Big 12's only had OU, and OU has not won a game since they've been in the college football playoff. That's been a bit of a, uh, not a black eye for the Big 12, but I got to be honest, not great. That OU-Georgia game is going to be the one that I continue to look back on for the Big 12 and be like, oh, guys, you couldn't have won that one, huh? That was the one that we wanted you to win, and you couldn't get that one done, huh? Really? Ugh. Still uh, still gives me nightmares, that second half and that overtime. Anyway, beside the point right now, a moot point right now. It's good for the Big 12 if OU is really good. I've made that point many times on this show. It's good for the Big 12, but Texas is really good. If you're not a fan of those teams, don't hate them. Root for them to win every game, except for the game, games when they play you. That's what your attitude should be if you're a Baylor fan, or an Iowa State fan, a K-State fan, West Virginia fan, etc. That's what your uh, That's what your goal should be, for those teams to win every game they play, but lose to you. That's the best thing for the conference. So now in this situation, if OU ends up with, uh, with the riches here out of all this, I mean, Lincoln Riley has been recruiting like a madman. He's on fire. He's actually recruiting very well in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, which is not shocking. It's always been a pipeline for, uh, for OU to go down there to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. But now Lincoln Riley is really cleaning up and having himself a field day. Okay, so what does this mean, though? If OU through all the branding they're getting from Murray and Mayfield, if they can continue to recruit at a high level, get top guys in there, put together a semblance of a defense as well, and get over the hump for the Big 12, reach a national championship game, and win a national championship, that's huge. It's absolutely enormous. What it also could do, though, is in turn, is it could affect the Big 12, where it takes away what's been an incredibly exciting few seasons because this conference is as deep as it gets. 
numbers two through nine in the conference the past few years have been, I don't want to say interchangeable because that's not fair, but they've certainly been able to beat. Number nine has been able to beat number two over the past two, three, four years. And at least if you're a diehard Big 12 fan, you're not shocked by it. Now you're surprised, but you're not shocked by it. And that's something that many other conferences, in fact, I would say all other conferences can't say. The weak link in this conference has been the one weak link we all know has always been there for the last uh, going on a decade, and that is the Kansas Jayhawks, right? We can all agree on that. So for OU to keep getting richer, all right, Texas trying to keep pace. It looks like Tom Herman has that thing on the right track. That's a good thing. But it's also a little bit concerning, just a little bit concerning that uh, the Big 12 could end up being Texas OU and then a big gap. What I want is Texas OU at the top, but then not that big of a drop-off for teams 3, 4, 5, 6. I want to keep that depth, but bring everybody up a notch. Maybe that's unrealistic of me, uh, but that's that's a best-case scenario for the Big 12 Conference, no doubt about it. Over the weekend, if you missed this, I talked about it last week, which is uh, Wisconsin Athletic Director Barry Alvarez complaining and whining, bitching, moaning, everything in between about the College Football Playoff Committee no longer following the guidelines, which apparently it did when he was on the Playoff Committee. Well, now you got some moaning and groaning out of the SEC. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs reporter Mike Griffith, he said this uh, about why Georgia was left out of the playoff last year in favor of Oklahoma. Remember, it was down to OU, Georgia, and Ohio State for the final spot after Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame got in. So Mike Griffith uh, said, I saw this on Saturday down south. He said, quote, obviously the Georgia Tech athletic director and the Florida athletic director were on that playoff committee. I don't think they were jumping up on the table to put their rivals in the playoff. Boy, what a dumb thing to say. What a dumb thing to say. How else do you put it? That is just asinine. It's absolutely asinine. It is ludicrous. It's ridiculous. And if you really believe that that is why the Georgia Bulldogs did not make the college football playoff, I've got a bridge to sell you. It wasn't the fact that, you know, they blew a huge lead in the uh, SEC championship game. That wasn't why, right? And as a result did not have a conference championship, which is the number one criteria that the college football playoff committee is supposed to look at. That's not the reason. No, no, it's not. It's not the reason. It makes no sense. You think Georgia Tech and Florida, by the way, let's talk about Florida first off. I know that's a big rival for Georgia, but let's, let's admit here that when you look at it, It would be good for Florida, and it would be good for the SEC to keep getting two teams in to the college football playoff. That would be a positive for Florida and anybody in the SEC to have two teams in the college football playoff. The SEC should want that every year, and guess what? They do want that every year. They expected that, to be honest, every year. And... Hasn't well, it happened last year, which, uh, you know, unfortunately was warranted just based on the results and whatnot. But you really think that? Does anybody believe that for a second? I mean, these excuses coming out of the Big Ten of the SEC is absolutely unbelievable. 
The only category Georgia had an edge over Oklahoma in was strength of schedule. The Bulldogs were third, Oklahoma was eighth. Not a massive difference, and that certainly does not give Georgia the right and the ability to overcome something like not having a conference championship when OU had one over a really good opponent in Texas. So I don't know, man. I mean, these media guys and, and Barry Alvarez, these ADs, some of these people that are just, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Positioning their conferences and the offseason could have slow on their board. Guys, spare me here, would you? Please. Am I going to have to now just start shilling away? I mean, I consider myself, I'm a Big 12 guy through and through. I will advocate for this conference. I also think I try to call it pretty evenly and pretty fair. But, you know, if the Big 12 needs a shill to go out there and start making some of these asinine comments these other reporters and ADs are making, I I can be the guy. You know, I can do it for you if you really want me to. I'll go down that road. But it's just, it's coming across as petty and pathetic. And I'm not saying the committee should take it into consideration, but I think the committee's done a pretty darn good job. I'm most critical of their first year when they left out Baylor and TCU, and maybe that's my own bias showing. But I'll go to my grave saying that Baylor or TCU uh, should have been in the college football playoff that first year, even though I know Ohio State won the championship. Uh, when it came to those two teams, either one of them could have won the national title that year. No doubt in my mind that Baylor or TCU could have won the national title the first year of the college football playoff. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, some bad news for K-State and some changes to college football's overtime rules. That's next on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, a few more things to get to as we wrap up the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, owner of the website, owner of the Big 12 Digital Independent Media Outlet. We appreciate you joining us. And once again, if you haven't yet, please do go sign up for our forums. They are free. They are a chance for you to interact with the other Big 12 fans, have conversation. And we look forward to building up that community on heartlandcollegesports.com. So some rough news over the past few days for K-State with uh, Hunter Risen, who now has his first court date set for the uh, domestic battery case. That he got tied up and he was arrested last week on Friday by Riley County. That's where Manhattan is and charged with one count of domestic battery, knowing or reckless bodily harm to a family or person in a dating relationship. And he was free on a $1,000 bond. Uh, he is set to appear in court on May 1st at 11 a.m. Uh, the alleged victim filed for a temporary protective order, uh, which was issued last week. Now, Coach Kleiman has said that Ryzen's indefinite suspension from the team, and he cited, of course, the reason for the suspension as a violation of team and department policy, but he did not specifically mention the arrest. Uh, Ryzen did tweet out in response, quote, this will be my only response. I will continue to be myself, a man of God, as well as a great student athlete at this university. I have done nothing wrong, end quote. I interacted with Ryzen uh, two weeks ago at the spring game, and he could not have been better to deal with. He could not have been more optimistic. Remember, he came here from Michigan State. Father's Andre Ryzen came over as a big star and uh, was expected, is expected still until further notice, to be a big boost for the wide receiver corps, uh, including, of course, Skylar Thompson. 
And this is a guy who had a decent freshman year at Michigan State, uh, but was going to come here, sat out last season, and expected to have a big career. Now we don't know where this is going to go and what's going to happen here. I had some people say to me on Twitter, oh, look, Bill Snyder's gone. All these guys getting arrested. Nobody. Who is buying that? that? That's nonsensical. You know that, and I know that. To somehow tie this to Bill Snyder is ridiculous. Uh, or tie this back to Bill Snyder not being in Manhattan anymore is ridiculous. If anything, you can say Bill Snyder brought the guy in. <laughs> so I'm just not buying that. And we don't know what happened yet, okay? We don't know what happened. No idea. So I'm not going to jump there just yet, but I, I, I do hope for Ryzen's case and everybody involved that um, what is alleged to have happened based on the charges are not actually what happened. Also, if you missed it, we got some uh, new rules. New rules for college football overtime. If you recall, Texas A&M and LSU played a seven-overtime game uh, last year, 74-72, to won by the Aggies. So the NCAA came to the conclusion of uh, we got to change college football's overtime policy. So here's how the new policy is going to go. If a game gets to a fifth overtime – the teams will, instead of starting at the 25-yard line and continuing the whole process, if you get to a fifth overtime, you will basically just run two-point conversion plays to determine the winner. That's it. Team one goes, two-point conversion, they make it. Team two, they got to get their own two-point conversion or it's game over. They're not going to continue with going back to the 25-yard line and, and doing that whole thing. That is over starting with a fifth overtime. And I don't know. I love college football's overtime rules. I get they're trying to protect uh, players' bodies. But how many times are you going to five overtimes anyway? Uh, you know, once you're at five, just get me to seven here. You know? I mean, is that too much to ask? You've played five already. You've played four already. Once you're at five, what's the big deal? And you know and I know, once you get to that number anyway, it starts to benefit the offense. The defense is totally worn out and totally toast. So, uh, you know, typical SEC, ruin everything, screw things up that didn't need to be messed with. Thank you, SEC. You stink. Have a great day. Too bad. What a shame. Uh, and this week, if you missed it in our uh, mailbag, we do a mailbag every week. Derek Duke writes about it. He ranked the strength of schedules in the Big 12 Conference, and this was a hot topic on our message boards this week. But – he ranked strength to schedule, and here's how this works at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. These guys, whether it's Derek Duke, Cam Brock, uh, Matthew Postens, Dave Beal, they send me their articles. I get them up on the website, right, as the publisher, editor, owner of the site. So Derek ranked strength to schedule, and he put Kansas. He put Kansas in the top spot for toughest strength to schedule. And I'm like, Derek, I love you, man. I love you to death. But how are you coming to this conclusion? I know it's, it's you know, who's got the road games when. I get all that. But Kansas's non-conference includes Indiana State, Coastal Carolina, and Boston College. You want to tell me BC's all right? <laughs> okay. It's okay. I get it. You know, they were near the top of the ACC last year, but it's still BC. Look at the non-conferences. Texas plays LSU. West Virginia plays two power fives in the non-conference, NC State and Missouri. OU gets UCLA, who's improving, and uh, Dana Holgerson fighting Houston Cougars. 
I mean, I don't know how many old fashions Derek drank before making this list. And I know KU has some, you know, tough road contests, but the only thing I could think about is that because KU can't play itself, whereas all the other Big 12 teams get to play Kansas, maybe you can justify the idea that just by that case in point, Kansas has the toughest non-com or the toughest strength of schedule because they can't play themselves, where everybody else gets to play them. But outside of that, I was not able to figure out how he got to that conclusion. We love Derek. We love him here. He does awesome work. But that one, I, I don't know about that one, Derek. Love you, man. Um, thanks for checking us out at Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We are really starting to ramp this thing up. Well, with the message boards, please go sign up. We have so much going on over at the site, and it's always great to hear from all you guys and gals, no matter when, where, or how. So please do join us next week. We'll do it again, same time, same place, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week, everybody. We crank up our music Friday nights. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, thanks again, guys, for checking out the show. Appreciate it. Please leave a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And if you send me a screenshot of that rating and review, it would mean the world to me, seriously. And um, I'll get you a free koozie. Just send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.